Wine Monk Arizona Wine Podcast by Cody Vladimir Burkett. Definitely fits 
This is really dark. Actually, it is pretty aromatic too. It is. It is dark, but um, it's, it's a little. Uh, it's not opaque. It's mm -hmm. you know you can see through it. It's, it's like yeah, just barely. Almost. Just barely. Most is sort of in the front to mid palate. Yeah, front to mid palate, and then the sides, the yeah. cheeks. Yep, and the cheeks. The so it doesn't it doesn't have as much of a finish. Now maybe that this one is just too young. It could be. I think so. And it could be that if, if this was open and decanted for some period of time, that that might change a little mm -hmm. bit too. A little bit. Do we want to pour the decanter and revisit it at the end, or? I'm up for that. Do we do, do that? that? No, I'm. I'm game. What year is this? 13? 13. Uh, we started off the afternoon uh, before we started recording with a 1990 Chateau Hope Rion uh, White Bordeaux, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that had some wonderful flavors. That spice. 
hard to go out. Do you, do you happen to know how this wine was uh, made? No. No idea. Um, from what I know, most of John McLaughlin's winemaking, uh, open top fermenters, and then everything's aged in barrel for like two years. Uh, neutral French oak, collab oak chips or, or oak staves, if he feels it needs it, and then bottle it from there. That sounds about right. Yeah, and that, he, that, that's all I know about how he makes it. He didn't release it until like 2015, 2016. Yeah. No, yeah. A little, is there a little VA maybe? Yes. Maybe? I can't tell. <clears throat> I do think it's a little closed off. It's even already starting to. to Jeez. Yeah. The VA, I, I've noticed, is kind of a, a thing with McLaughlin's wines. And I think that's because he doesn't store them super cold, or, or to what I would store them at. I think he stores them at like 75 rather than 65, which is what I would store them at, but I'm not the one making them, it's not my place. That's a good, solid, solid red. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's pretty good. My color's really pretty too. I mean, I'm happy to drink it. Yeah. It is expanding in the glass. I'm glad. I'm glad I. It would probably aerate faster in these glasses than it would in a decanter. That's actually a very valid point. Where'd you get these glasses again? Um, these are from a company that used to be a really big deal. They had stores, and they closed all their stores. This one was at the Foothills Mall in Tucson, where I bought these. Yeah. Kind of outdoor indoors. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever been there. I can't. I'll, I'll think of what these are called at some point. It was a company that uh, had really good uh, stuff for the home. Was it Ikea? Or not Ikea. Um, uh, what's that one kind of foreign brand? Oneida? Oneida? It's not Oneida, but that's a good, that's a, a good guess, but that's not what it is. Anyway, I liked them. They, they have a sh shape that is called hurricane. Mm -hmm. you, you've seen yeah. hurricane lamps? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're shaped this way. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, it's funny. And I like it uh, because the, the large part of the bowl um, is not close to the top edge, so you can swirl the shit out of this without. Uh, yeah. That's great. You know, yeah. 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 I'm such a culprit. <laughs> Violets, lavender, 
hibiscus. What's the alcohol in this? You get the you get the you get the Cabernet sense out of this too. Thirteen point three. Okay, that's not not over. Uh, no. Overly high. No, not at all. This is a fun wine. Yeah. I think it's even you know just weather appropriate. Yeah, it's a, it feels like a, a much lighter red, so it's good for this hotter month. I think that this this actually does taste a lot like uh, the day trippers of London Passion right now. That's Marcelon. Um, sorry, not Marcelon. Uh, Grenache and Cab. It's got the same sort of Marcelon character, which again I would pair it the same way. Cookout, cheeseburgers and yeah. hot dogs on a cookout. And you know, it's it's actually showing aromatically a little more like like Malbec to me. You know, it just has that like violet. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's much. It's less abrasive than, than you know. It almost has a spicy note, uh, aromatic note, like like a Cunois. Mm. I could see Cunois. that. Yeah. Uh, the way I want to describe the nose of this is almost like someone shoving a, a potpourri flower bag mm-hmm. that has a little bit of cinnamon and, and mm-hmm. anise, along with all these flowers, and right in your nose, and you're just like, smell this. Yeah, it's extremely aromatic. Yeah. But it's, it is kind of Cunois-like. Mm-hmm. Has anyone else here tried the Audemars Cunois Rosé yet? The Rosé, the, the uh, idiopincrasy? Yeah. It's yes. fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. I had it at, uh, at the uh, Merkin uh, dinner that, uh, I got a couple bottles of that James Keenan did for the, uh, uh, to thank the sponsors of the uh, Verde Valley Wine Festival. It was a wonderful event, and uh, I was very happy to get to talk to uh, James for a while because I ne- had never really talked to him before. And uh, there were two oddity wines served. Which which one was the other one? The annual Pinkersy and the one that has the initials. Oh, so that's cheesy. Yeah. yeah. It's partly Verde Valley fruit in that too. Yeah, and and that wine was uh, both of the, both of those wines were amazingly good. For a new winery. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been impressed by every single vintage Audi has done so far. Well, they've only done one vintage. Well, still. Yeah. No, I think. It's still, I think still my statement is true. I've been amazed by every single vintage. Yeah. It's just that it's only been one. But still, they're batting 100%. Yeah, no. Well, they're also batting 100% on their bottles, too. I, agree. Only I, I enjoy all the wines that they make. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, the Changeling. We drank a, a case and a half of the Changeling. Yeah, I bought a few bottles. I, I have a bottle of the Changeling left. Uh, we bought a case on the, the night they had the coming out party. Yeah. And then uh, we it, we got down to like two or three bottles and I went back and bought six more. I, yeah, I got a couple yeah, bottles. I got a couple bottles left, I think. Um, but they're out. They're sold out. Yeah, I, I honestly wish I had money to get case of the idiopincrasy. And I've heard they're really low on the idiopincrasy already, yeah. Yeah, I need to go up. The idiopincrasy is, 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 so. is very good. Yeah, it it actually is very reminiscent of a uh, uh, wine from Neem or... or uh, uh, it's got that oak. I heard they use oak staves and they, there's just such good acidity with it too. Yeah. I think it, it really they used oak staves on the idiopincrasy? That's not what I heard. I heard it was better from it. Bree just told me yesterday they, they put it in neutral and then added 
uh, staves or oak chips or something to it to kind of kick it up, but um, maybe that wasn't. It's not a dominant character. It's not a dominant character. No, it's it's integrated. It reminded me of uh, like the bubble gum I used to chew as a kid. Well, it really reminds me of a French rosé. I mean, which, which I'm, I've had a love affair with French rosé for thirty years, so. <laughs> that's that's saying something for for me to compare it to a French rosé. Yeah, that's a bottle that I'm looking very forward to cracking up and reviewing. You not you did not have the changeling at all? No, I have the changeling. Okay. I reviewed it. I'm talking about the Edo Pinker I tasted it on after festival day, and I fell in love with it. Then bought a bottle and then just for my description, a friend of mine down so I was like, uh, "Can you give me a bottle of that?" And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> so. You know, I was thought, like, the, the price point, too, was, like, I mean, I was like, wow, for rosé, you know, and, and they, they had it a little bit up there, but they're selling through it, which... It's, re- it's, it's reasonable if you know what it is and that sort of thing. Listen, Burning Tree sold sold out of their Calibri rosé uh, in, like, two or three weeks, and it was $32 a bottle. Yeah. Same thing with, I mean, right around that price was... Um, Cicada, cicada. Cicada. Cicada was like, oh god, yeah. They even bumped up their price uh, over the past couple of years and still sells out. Yeah. Know, they're, they're doing something right. No, it's, you know, I've always felt that wine is one of the few things where you want us to get what you pay for up to a certain point. Well, I'm very happy that rosés uh, here in the Valley, can, or in the Verde Valley, can, can sell at a premium price mm-hmm. because that that will encourage winemakers to uh, bleed off yeah. some wine from their reds when they feel like they need a little more uh, uh, concentration for the reds without having to worry about the fact that they're losing volume. Yeah. Because if you can sell the rosé for a red wine price, then uh, there's no downside <laughs> yeah, to doing exactly. um, So I think, it's, uh, I think it's really great um, that there's that good a market for it. Well, it's a good service to people who have to live here. Right. It's hot. It's yeah. getting 100 degrees. You know? I mean, I've always thought that Arizona is just an ideal rosé state. Uh, Every winery should be doing at least one. Every I agree. We, we, uh, if not more than one. We drink a lot of rosé. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, I've noticed how much different my drinking habits are here from Indianapolis. Oh, really? Oh, so we drank, a, we drank a lot more red wine in Indianapolis than we, you know, by percentage than we do. Yeah, I've come across the same thing. We're drinking a lot more whites and rosés than we were drinking in the past. Yeah. Just yeah, when you were in Alaska, you were always thinking about drinking reds. Well, yeah, you know that. <laughs> yeah. But even in the last couple of years. So I, I suggest, uh, even though I'm the person that's going to be washing the glasses, although maybe we can do that as a group before you leave because it's oh, yeah. not faster. I've got nothing else I, I, think, I think we should uh, get some more glasses out uh, because I don't want to just down this. I, I, I agree I, with you. I'd, you I'd like to compare it to the other uh, wines. I agree. This is a good idea. Can, we can use our uh, white wine glasses. No, it's got to be the same glass that I have the same number. Okay. You know where the restroom is, right? Yeah, rosé in Arizona is a no-brainer. I wonder what Marcelon rosé would be like. I don't know. I... It'd probably be a lot like a Grenache rosé, I'd imagine. Oh, it's 
And this would be my my take on it. You you think it would be more of a Grenache type? Uh, I I would think. Uh, now, mind you, I've never had an Arabelle. Well, that's not true. I, I have tasted the uh, Cab Sonnier that's obscenely sweet to me, anyway, at uh, Arizona Strongland. But uh, I, I don't remember. Has a rose? They have a Cab Sonnier rose on their like, sweet dessert wine menu oh. thing. That's probably why I've never had it. Yeah, I, I, I had it just out of morbid curiosity. That's I you know. I'm not huge into sweet wines. Except for certain styles from certain places. By and large. Like Now I remember the very first ice wine I ever had. I don't remember where it was from. I wanna say it was it wasn't from Germany, because it wasn't ice wine. I wanna say it was I want to say it was from New York, and I was in college, and I bought a new flagstaff, and I thought, oh, I'll try this out. And I remember, like, being like, phew, like, this is super sweet. It's like, oh, and Italy is Everybody has one of the old glasses. Yeah, I remember the first day when I had, I can't remember where it was from, I think it was California one. Okay, so we're going to go with the uh, neutral oak. Okay. Neutral oak base springs. Yeah, I, I'm not sure we can handle three three bottles of wine. Since oh, whatever we since we've already had a bottle of 1990. Uh, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a half pour of this. Yeah, that's what I'm. And gonna then do. because I really want to also do this in comparison to the other. Yeah, okay. Or also, what I can do is pour two glasses of the neutral oak marcelon that we can share, and then two glasses of the emery oak that we can share. You know, that's a good idea. What do you think of that? I think that's a good, responsible hey. method of drinking. Hey, if you're gonna do a massage, do it on me, please. <laughs> uh, if someone could hand me another empty glass. Where's your ball? Go get your ball. <coughs> well, we should have some way of distinguishing which of these are rich. On yourself. Watch. Like a sharpie or something good. On the glass. You know, I'm going to come sit over here. That'll be easier. Okay, so I've got two of the... Romeo. No, I got an inch. <laughs> Dean, can you hand me your glass, please? That's empty. I'm going to pour the emery oak now. Okay. So I'm going to put the emery oak on your side to start. He does do a good job. Wait, way to go, Romeo. Over here a little more. There you go. <laughs> as, as we are getting our back scratched and massaged by Romeo, Amos' dog. What, what, what? An eight-pound Maltese boy named Romeo. May have overpoured. No, it's all right. Okay. All right. So, so I'm going to read the back of these. Actually. So which which is which? On your side is emery oak. On our side is neutral oak. I'm going to have Stephen read this. Nice. Uh, 
100% Marcelon, Marcelon, or is that what you want me to do? Well, yeah, the little <laughs> blurb, whatever right. Eric want, wrote on the back here. Uh, Marcelon, a cross of Grenache and Cabernet Sauvignon, was created by French ampelographer Paul Truro in 1961 and was first planted in Arizona by John McLaughlin of Dragoon Vineyards in 2008. In Arizona, while it can produce excellent wines, Grenache has had a troubled history due to the tightness of its clusters and thus its propensity to rot. Cabernet Sauvignon is on the other hand, oh, Cabernet Sauvignon on the other hand has thick skin, small berries, and very loose clusters. Uh, from a grower's perspective, Marcelon is a dream. The, the wine is similarly amazing in that it combines the beautiful fruitiness of Grenache with some of the rustic green characters of Cat. This batch was aged in neutral, and we suggest you try it side by side with the identical wine aged on AZ. <laughs> Emery Oak for perspective, exactly what we're... <laughs> and uh, Dean, if you would do the honors. Mine says the exact no. same, except for you get down to this batch was aged in Arizona, Emery Oak, harvested in the Mingus Range on the west side of our valley. So the oak is from the Mingus, from Mingus. Oh, cool. From Black Hills. Yep. Nice. Um, so, and then he said, we felt... We felt this spicy, earthy wood would be a good complement to this wine. Hmm. That's cool. Now, immediately off the bat, this needs to be totally... Now, what vintage is this? 13. 13 as well? These are all 13. Oh, nice! 13, yeah, it's perfect. Cool. I think that... Richer the... on the nose, I feel, for the non emery oak than the... It's heavier, it's darker. It's like if I was going to categorize the nose by color, it'd be the um, or this is a weird way to do it, but this is how my brain works. Uh, the Marcelon from Jerome Winery from McLaughlin uh, would be a sort of a lighter lavender. Um, the non emery oak neutral, I haven't smelled the emery yet, was a definitely magnitudes of. Order darker in color. This one is the. Those, okay. those, yeah. those two are the same. These two are the same. Okay. You have neutral. Yeah. So what you guys should do is you guys should swap. Hold on, hold on, just a minute. We are going to put uh, charms on the. Uh, agreed on the wood. Man, charms on the wood was a great album. Sorry. And who would that be by? Oh, by Marcelon, of course. <laughs> <laughs> sort of glam rock band. <laughs> would it be Marcelon? <laughs> oh yeah, Marcelon. Not to be confused by their feminine copyright band that does covers of their songs called Marcelon. <laughs> <laughs> or, damn it, I did it. <laughs> We pretty much have every wine gadget known to man or woman. So, so these two here are Emery Oak. Emery Oak. I'm gonna wait to give my impression until after the charms are on the glass here. Will you put that on uh, one? Okay. No, I will put this on one. Okay. Okay. Now wait. Okay, so these two. 
The ones with charms will be the Emery Oath. Emery Oath. I actually meant to... So we're going to give you one of them. Okay. And you give us... You give them, Stephen, give them yours. Okay, oh. that way we'll, that way we're not passing them across the table. Yeah. yeah. All right, so now this is the neutral, which I think we should try the neutral first. Agreed. I'm just getting impressions on the nose. Oh, wow. Different, completely different nose. Completely different. This is more spicy. This right. reminds me. Yeah. I think that wine's a little more open. For this, sure. Than this one. This one seems much more closed. This is like a sort of a dark plum color purple on my mind, and then neutrals in between, and then we've got the white lavender color with the other. This is a lighter color. And the colors, this one I feel is really bright too. I'm going to pass this down to you. So charm oh, is yeah. Completely. So, what's the difference in vintage? Same vintage. All, all three wines? All three of these are the same vintage. Same, same vintage, same vineyard, different. Con considerably different winemaking. All three different winemaking yeah. te techniques. Okay, so for, for anyone who's curious, so, I yeah. have loaded up uh, the wiki page for Emory Oak. The Jerome wine is, uh, I would say the Jerome wine has seen a lot more oxygen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's much more open right now, but prop and it's my my guess that it probably would not age nearly as well. I, you know, it's hard hard to know really, but so are the alcohol levels listed as the same? Take a look. That's exactly what one. you said on uh, Jerome wine. And hold on, I'm looking for it on this well, one. Well, that was going to be the same. Yeah. That wine was that wine was vinified the same, just aged differently. Where the heck is it on these bottles? That's good. By the map. What? By the map. Oh, there it is. Yep, same thing. So. So they're all the same. Alcohol. alcohol. So I, I I believe there's a little VA in the Jerome wine. Which makes sense because that's what I've said now. Yeah. And and I'm not saying that in a derogatory manner. I because no. I think uh, I think there are a lot of people who would maybe at at this point in their age prefer the Jerome wine. Yeah. Uh, it's much more aromatic and uh, and open. What's what's interesting is the difference in the um, aromas between the neutral oak and the um, the neutral oak is so much more muted. Yes, versus what you get out of from and the, the emery oak. Uh, uh, yeah. It's, it's juicier. Um, Which one? The, the, the um, or neutral oak. Uh, I felt juicier. The, the both, neutral. Yeah, but I mean, going back to the first one we tried, the Jerome Jerome Winery, it's just like. Night and day. I mean, th this one has so much more complexity, especially mm. with, with intensity of, of spice. Which one, the um, neutral oak? Uh, well, actually, just both of both of the both species, of yeah, yeah. Even compared. Yeah. Um, well, no, thank you. Yeah. It's much. Both of them have a much bigger palate. And uh, and it is more complex, but it's. Okay. 
a little, it, it's definitely more closed up. Which one? The, uh, the neutral. The Page Springs. Yeah. Is that, is that but, the neutral? But also, uh, we've had it in the glass uh, 20 minutes less time. This is true. So. Yeah, and, and I feel. And we've all been sitting here swirling the wine, so. Right. There's been a lot more oxygen already in the Jerome wine. Yeah. Okay. Going, going back to back to the first, um, I'm getting this like licorice meets cough syrup sort of. You're talking about the Jerome wine. Yeah. yeah. Totally. And, and which, which, which isn't not saying bad, it's just like totally different takes on the same fruit um, and different types mm -hmm. of, you know, elevage and oak edition. So for, for those playing the home game, I have the wiki page for Emmerich Oak Open. Did you taste that yet? I'm going to read a blurb. How is it? I want to taste this one before we... It's delicious. The Emory Oak is a species built common in Arizona, including inside the Sorrell National Park, New Mexico and Western Texas, United States and Northern Mexico. Typically grows in dry hills, moderate altitudes, which of course is most of Mingus Mountain. Quercus Emory is an evergreen tree in the red oak group, retaining its leaves throughout the winter until the new leaves are produced in the spring and is a large shrub or small tree from 5 to 17 meters, 16 to 56 feet, tall. Yes, but most often it's closer to the 16 feet. Exactly. Those are the big scrub oaks that you see in most of the high plains of Arizona. And on the it, it, grows, yeah, it grows around, uh, all around on the sides of the mountains in uh, uh, Tucson. Oh. Yeah, and for sure here in Mingus too. If you drive up and over Mingus, that's... The first trees you see, and there's a few big ones by the side of the road, but most of them are about 16 to 20 feet at right. the tops. Yeah. Uh, there's one or two that are definitely on that higher scale. That's got a lot more spice. Which one is that? Uh, the oak. The, 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 no, I'm talking about oh, the, the, the neutral against that. Which is the marsalon. Against, the, against the, the dragon. At least I got more spice out of it. I agree, I did. It was definitely more intense. Maybe it's been longer. You've got to identify which wine you're talking about. The the, the neutral oak versus is more intense. Is more. It's much more concentrated, in my opinion, than, than the, the than the uh, than, than the Jerome wine. Yeah. Yeah. I do feel though, tannin wise, that you're gonna find that more with with the oak inclusion. Yeah. Um, you're getting those oak tannins, but it's an, it's an interesting tannin. Um, yeah, it's not heavy. It's not light. It's Honestly, again, I really want to pair it with like cheeseburger, like that burger I had at. Uh, you know, I think there's. G cheeseburger. Yeah. G's. His name is Guff. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. So G apostrophe S. G's burger. Um, I'm getting. Uh, I get a. I get a little bit of a uh, oak bitterness, on the end of the. Uh, uh, one with the emery oak. Mm -hmm. Definitely. From my remember, I've got to revisit it right now. I'd love to see it soften, but actually, I'm not sure how, how this one can age. Because I, I get a lot of that oak, which I imagine is the bitter oak from emery. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how emery oak it suits year after year. I don't know how it starts dropping off or integrating. No one does. I don't know, but I, but, but I find it to be uh, harmonious. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's not working against a flavor profile at all. I'm a person who generally does not like oak in anything. I mean, when you can taste it uh, as a standalone flavor. So, um, I was getting some uh, green notes out of the, uh, the neutral oak uh, version. Uh, when I first tasted it, but they're kind of they're kind of going away. Green green notes like green pepper. And yeah. Was it pyrazine? That was kind of what I was I referring to with the spice coming out of this. It's still got a little bit in there, but uh, kind of almost like a California cab might have mm -hmm. a little bit of that character. I kind of like it when it has that, especially a cool varietal. Yeah. Well, like this one to, to showcase that, it's kind of neat. Yeah, as long as it's, you know, in a modest amount. Yeah. It should add to the symphony, not, not be I think this, I think at this point in the game, the neutral oak one is by far the superior of the three. Agreed. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be that the, uh, the one with the embryo, you know, in two or three or four years from now, it could be the favorite. I don't know. That'd be cool to find out. Yeah. I agree, though. I think I prefer it just neutral. Yeah. Because it's not adding a dynamic, in my opinion, more so than, than those tannins that I'm right. getting. But there are, is a large percent of the population that expects to taste oak in red wine. Yeah, and uh, so from a marketing standpoint, I think that makes sense. I think that probably uh, it's not a bad thing. Do we know if this oak was even like did they do a toast treatment on it or on the emery oak? Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? I have no idea. I have no idea. I I I would assume it's I would toasted. Assume, I would. I think. I think. I know it's staves. Yeah, they're staves, and I believe they toast them. So who who uh, who prepares it? I guess the Cooper, there's a Cooper in Cotton, uh, Cornville that made them or something. Huh. Well, I wouldn't think it's a Cooper. They're not making barrels out of it, are they? Just, oh, I think they're just making pieces of wood to use as flavor. And, and, uh, Let me try that one again. Well, which is why you're not getting those spices that people might want from oak who are just like, I like the Ritz, you know, which really means, oh, you like vanilla, you like spice. Yeah. But if they didn't do a treatment on this, then... And you are just getting the, the tannins from the oak, which could be good or bad. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here. So who knows? This is definitely something that we need to investigate. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think uh, that is a topic that we can uh, dedicate a, uh, uh, a session uh, of our uh, grand crew. Uh, oh, yeah, totally. Can be dedicated to uh, the use of Arizona wood in, uh, in wines and who's preparing it and how it's being used. And uh, maybe we even have Eric come and talk about, because I, you know, of any of the wineries around here that I'm aware of using Arizona oak. He's the only one that I He's the only one I really know about. I'm yeah, sure somebody else that I'm aware of. That I'm aware of, yeah. So maybe I, we- I'm trying to convince Jason to do it, but he, he hasn't bit yet. Maybe we can talk Eric uh, into coming, uh, to our meeting, and then uh, he could bring the person who prepared the wood, and we can we can have a cool. a pretty good uh, conversation about it. You can see their outlook, like if they even have future plans for different right. vintages, and, and maybe we give input that helps them helps them mold uh, what they want to do. Yeah, I, if I'm not there, someone please record that. Do you have a, 
do you have a way to reach Eric to ask him how it was yeah. like if it was email or yeah yeah but he, al he always responds right away we could email him right now and see how quickly we get a response and we don't really have anything to lose yeah, it'd be interesting to know if it's, if it's toasted because I'm not getting those flavors out of it. Yeah, I'm not getting those toasted notes. I no, I'm not getting the vanillas or the. Um, yeah, it's bad. I mean, I'm getting I'm getting the oak tannins. I'm getting like like like. That that stringent palate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. If we don't hear back from him now, ask him. Right. I can always post it when I post the podcast that this is, we were talking about this in the podcast and this is the result of our quests. And we're going to release this via the Verde Valley Wine Consortium tied to your page. Correct. Right? Correct. So. I mean, you'll put it on your page and then we'll do a big thing with the, exactly. with the wine consortium. And I, I, I would recommend that we do a, a wine consortium podcast at least uh, every two months because every month it might be difficult to arrange for for everybody. But every two months it gives us time to arrange. And the next one is going to be Nebbiolo. We've already established this because Emil has a magnum of Barbaresco that needs to be imbibed, he claims. And I agree. Oh yeah, and you're not going to argue. I'm not going to argue that. I'm not going to argue against that. I wouldn't argue against him on that. It's it's a Gaia Sori San Lorenzo 1982 Barbaresco. So the tentative plan is to pair that with uh, the Passion Cellars Nebbiolo. Uh, I'm going to see if I can acquire a bottle of Nebbiolo Paciencia. Um, Does anybody else in Arizona make a Nebbiola? I know Stronghold had one. Stronghold has one. Uh, the closest I've ever tasted to an Arizona Barolo. Uh, was the last vintage that Canelo Hills did. And they did this really beautiful uh, Nebbiolo that just totally impressed me. It was the most impressive Arizona Nebbiolo I ever tasted. And it's gone now. You, can, you can't you can find it. Um, I bought one of the last bottles that was at the Flying Leaf Tasting Room years ago. And it's like, oh, I'll get around to this. Oh, I'll get around to this. Oh, I'll get around to this. And then I started doing a bunch of Nebbiolo reviews. And I was just like, oh, well, I should culminate with it. And it worked really well. Uh, it was the most Barolo-like Arizona Nebbiolo I've ever seen, which is the only real one I've seen. This. But I would have said, let's put this toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Barolo. The Barolo will still win, but this is going to fight really hard. Um, a Barolo is always going to be a Barolo. Yeah, a Barolo is a Barolo. It just is what <laughs> It'll it is. It'll win that match. But... You know, it's called the King of Wines for a reason. And, you know, and we may find that as we drink Arizona Nebula, side by side with some Italy, that, you know, there are some things that just Arizona can't do. And that's okay. I, I have seven or eight uh, 19, different 1990 Barolos. So. Well, why don't you be in charge of Italy and I'll be in charge of Arizona. And then we'll. Uh, I'm going to see. I'm going to ask Kevin if they have any left. And uh, we should actually look at our calendar. I'm going to look at my calendar right now uh, for work. Uh, August isn't set up yet, but um, we can always do it in the afternoon. 
I'm going to Italy August 11th, so it's got to be. Oh, it's going to be before that for sure. You're going to Italy August 11th this year? Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, why don't you we are. do it? <laughs> uh, why don't we do it Wednesday? And then, uh, are you still going to Spain in October? Maybe. Uh, why don't we do it Wednesday, August 2nd? How does that work for everybody? August 2nd? Yes. I will have to check with my wife. What day of the week is that? It's a Wednesday. That's probably fine. Okay. Yeah. It's a Wednesday? Yep. Mm-hmm. Around this time, starting at 4? Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, hold on. Five. Well, we're going to be doing the CSW study group uh-huh. on Wednesdays at this time. Does that start like? Are we going to be doing that here? Where are we going to do that? I don't know. We haven't figured that out yet. Because we could attach this to a study group and focus on Italy and Piedmont. Mm, that's true. Well, we could do that. So we have a Verde Valley Wine Consortium Board of Directors meeting on the 3rd. And we have a Grand Cru Board meeting on the 2nd. From four to five. What time were you talking about having the? Uh, well, why don't we do it at the review? Six. Yeah, we could do, we could do it. And then. Yeah. We can have a party. Mid, a midweek party. A midweek party with uh, Nebbiolo, and uh, probably we'll have another reason to celebrate on that date too. That I can't express on this podcast because she listens. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, Marcelon, how is this Oakland opening up? So I think, from my standpoint, the way it sits right now, I like what I'm getting out of the neutral oak one. Yeah, I think the neutral oak is my favorite right now. Amos, is that the neutral oak over there? Where's the neutral oak? Oh, right here. I think what the what the emery oak is adding to this is just more of the astringent oak tannins. So we're getting a lot of the same. At least I am getting a lot of the same characteristics between the neutral oak and the and the emery oak, except for those um, tannins. Mm-hmm. They're more. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, pronounced yeah it's cool though it's but I wonder if this opens up more if it's going to soften those tannins I'd assume so hmm? I'd assume so but they are they're, they're definitely piercing right at the end not I mean yeah not in a bad way not a bad way I mean it's like Wow, that's cool. That's oak without any treatment. It seems it's like, like a scaffold around a building. Any of uh, any of these wines are all drinkable. It's a lot of fun. Oh yeah. Yeah, have tasting oh, them God. with all three. You know, with different characteristics. I wish I could have all, you know, or I guess the two winemakers here to kind of like share their experience with the fruit and how they took it and treated yeah. it. 
Two different vineyards? We'll say. Two, uh, no, no, same vineyard. Everything, the vineyard wow. is same vineyard, same um, vintage, harvested, same time, same way. It was the same brick, same everything? Yeah, it would have to be. I would, yeah, because because John mechanically harvests. Oh, yeah. So when he, when he harvests, he gets it all. So this is not like where it was hand-picked, you know, where, where, where John got his and sold the rest. It was... Well, compared it, to Page Springs and Jerome Winery, this is, it's like night and day. It's really interesting. Yeah. It's really interesting. And from my understanding, John only sells the Marcelon to Eric. Because there's not a whole lot of it. Yeah. So you can't, you know, you want, you want to have enough to, someone can produce enough to sell enough volume to make it worth their while to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, it would be interesting to see, a more of the, see more of this great grown in Arizona. It might work pretty well. So I had was having a conversation with John about this several years ago, even before it was released. Either one from um, um, Page Springs or um, from... Cellar four three three. Is this from Jerome Winery or is this from uh, Jerome? Jerome. Okay, because as we all know John has several labels. Jerome Winery. And bitter they're very cream. labels of quality. Jerome is right. second to the top. Right, and then sultry sultry cellar. Jerome. Bitter Creek. Bitter Creek. Arizona Angel. Yeah. Oh, well, yep. That. Yeah. That's. I don't that's, know where his new label for the Sedona tasting room comes into play. I don't know where Odyssey Cellars comes into play and where that is, but I think Odyssey's kind of like somewhere in between, in, in between like um, Bitter Creek and Jerome. Huh. And but those are all wines that he sells off-site, right? Like to Art of Wine in Sedona and the one other place in Sedona. So I think I think it's in that category with the, but I'm don't don't quote me on that. That's just guessing he says from, to the recording. from from uh, from tasting it. Yeah. And end quote. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. <laughs> we got that captured, right? Yep. We all know exactly what I said. We'll cut it out. We'll cut it out, right? Maybe. 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 Hell no. He's gonna he's gonna cut out the part. Don't quote me on yeah. this. <laughs> or what I'll say, it'll enhance the volume. Of, Don't quote me on this. Just leave it there. And then have yours. End quote. Say end quote. Like. So, so, so I heard, I heard one time a statement made by someone, and I'm not going to say who, but they feel that Marcelon could become the red grape for Arizona. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's interesting, you know, because Grenache does well here. And Cabernet Sauvignon, you know, depending on who where it's from and all that. I'm on the other side of the fence when it comes to Grenache. I don't like Arizona Grenache unless it's blended or unless it's a rosé. If it's a single variety of Grenache on its own, don't bother. Well, my... Calibri Grenache? Uh, the, Calibri is the exception that proves the rule. Calibri is I guess, own animal. And I, guess, and I guess you're right, because I... Calibri Grenache is fantastic. Calibri yeah. Grenache is fantastic. All of the other vintages in Arizona, if you see a single variety of Grenache, to me it's like the business card scene in American Psycho, where everyone's showing off their Grenache that tastes exactly the same as the other. There's not really a lot of difference except for one or two winemakers and Calibri. 
Anyone who touches Galibri fruit has seen the face of God. <laughs> yeah. to, to paraphrase something that Corey Turnbull, I think, said once while very, very drunk. That's great. It's, it's my, not it's my Corey. go-to bottle at, at what they've it got wasn't right Corey. now. Someone said that. Maybe no, but not good. Corey drunk. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 was just pretend, he was just pretending so he could blend in. Exactly. That's true. <laughs> Vineyards had some excellent times with production. I want to visit that vineyard so badly. I do too. Don't you need a passport to go there? Practically. It's all over the country waiting on West Texas. But uh, I really want to see the layout of land, the geology, and. uh, You know, actually, actually my my favorite wine that I have had from there, uh, one of the best wines I've had, period, from Arizona. Is the Calibri Morved? Oh God, yeah. When's that S and M being released? I don't know. I can't wait. God, that's, we're coming up on two years on that aging, yeah, it's right? It's got to be fantastic. Morved from Calibri. Syrah Morved. Oh, no, I mean he's talking about uh, Glomsky. So you, Eric Glomsky's making a wine that uh, you know he he has made that high end Glomsky cab, but he wanted to make something really special. That was Arizona fruit, because I believe the Klopsky Cab is Cab yeah, Cabernet Sauvignon and a little Cab Franc, typically. But from California. From California, from um, Paso area, yeah. from a from a favorite vineyard of his. Yeah, it's, he's it's got excellent great wine, stories. But, yeah, but, it's but he also wine. wants to make a signature wine. But in, that is Arizona, and of, and of course, uh, his premier fruit is Calibri. And so he's making a wine from Calibri, Syrah, and Morved that he's calling S and M. Cool. So you've had the Morved, huh? Did you do bar- barrel no, sample of the no, Morved? No, no, they had the Morved. Uh, it was from uh, I think it was 2013 vintage. I have a 2014 Calibri Morved from Page Springs in my yeah. cellar right now. Yeah, I have some too. And I think the first one I ever tasted was a 13 from Calibri. Was it in our shipments at all, or? Well, I first tasted it at the tasting room. And it just blew me away. I just, I just thought it was incredible. Hmm. I'll have to go through my. Wine. I have to, yeah. I have to reorganize my wines. So, so I know I was, what I have. Uh, in a past life, when I was dating a geologist, uh, we were going to co-author a paper on geology and connections to dwarf flavors out of that vineyard. But uh, she disappeared for, for the better, thank God. Uh, so I looks like off to be. You mean you mean from the earth or just from your? Uh... From according to Cody, from the earth, he can care less. <laughs> from my world, anyway, she has been cast aside, which, cast into the outer darkness. Which which is like you know being gone, gone. Is, gone. is that the same as being kicked to the curb? Pretty much. <laughs> With a big boot. Well, kind of yeah. I so, should have done the kicking, but she first did the kicking, and then I kicked her after that. So I'm getting a little. Uh, I'm still getting uh, from the uh, neutral uh, from the neutral oak. It's not opening up much. Dead. I think that's a wine. That's, no, it's pretty stable. I think that's a wine that's going to really benefit from uh, another uh, couple of years of aging. That um, that's this one here. Sorry. Oh. Yeah. So uh, it's it's my thought. I know I have some of it, and I need to start. Every time I taste one of these like this, I, I need to. Put a little label on my on the whatever I have in my cellar to 
remind myself because I have so many different Arizona wines now, and some of them really need aging. Yeah, for sure. Uh, That's one of the drawbacks to having a young industry like this where you've yeah. got to release everything right away is that we don't have time to age in, in barrels, and that's one of the things why uh, I'm really happy with what Jason's doing, yeah. and that he's like, he has a Sangiovese right now that was in that was in barrel for two years, and he's just now bottling it, and then he's like, I'm gonna let it sit for a year, and bottle. So he's literally do, trying to do it Bruno the Montecino style. Yeah. So what I do, well, I put it on a spreadsheet, and then I make notes, and then I update my spreadsheet, which I really, haven't done very well. Okay. But well, clearly, I—I I mean, that's something that would be good for me to do if I would. Uh, of course, it would take me two or three years to catalog all my wine into a spreadsheet. But yeah. Um, so, uh, I lost my train of thought. I will. I will jump back what was said. I think from you, Emil, way earlier. It's so much more noticeable to me right now with the unoaked, or neutral oak, I mean, uh, Page Springs, that, that pyrazine kind of... For me, starts, too. ...starts coming out. Um, yeah. And I think part of it's the youth, too. I think some of that will disappear as it ages. That's true. Yeah, so... Definitely the uh, Jerome wine is is uh, much more forward. Is that um, what you're tasting right now? Pardon? Is that what you're tasting Yeah. Right I was just smelling it. It's so strange, though. It, it's, it's just so... I don't know, there's... I wonder what's just giving that, like, fruit punch, like, shooting straight out. It's, yeah. It's... Yeah. Something is so just, like, unidirectional jumping out, and, and I'm not sure... What exactly that is, or what causes that to be? Be very interesting to know. If I had to guess, I would. Well, I don't know. I'm wondering if this was fermented at a higher temperature. Quite possibly. Um, Boy, that sunrise is spectacular. It would be even cooler if it was just. <laughs> Okay, maybe I should stop drinking. <laughs> <laughs> you you are so used to seeing the sunrises. Going. That's also so true. That's, that, I mean, I mean that that comment from you, I was like, I, I took it and it made me think for a minute. I'm like, no wait. <laughs> for for those that follow me on Instagram, as you you all know, my uh, my Instagram feed is mostly pictures of wine and pictures of sunrises because uh, the sun wakes me up every be, day. Be careful walking around there. Ah yes. So, uh, so you know, it, it, if, if 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 I don't see a sunrise photo from Cody in the morning, I go outside to look, make sure it came up. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably a fair assessment. But man, you have a beautiful view from here. You really, really do. It's pretty wonderful, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Wait, you guys should stand still for like one second so I can get a silhouette of... Because oh. it just looks cool with all the... Hold on, let me grab a wine glass for that. No, no. Okay. Because of me without wine glasses. 
Yeah, people might. You don't want to give. You don't want to. Yeah, you don't. You don't. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Hand me the emery, emery oak one there. All right. Well, so I'm. I'm going to get in this picture then. Sure. You could grab one of mine too. I'll just give you one. I'm going to do a pano. So oh, okay. I'll, just, I'll send it to you. Okay. because she is in Washington, D.C. Uh, actually, she's in Arlington, Virginia tonight. Um, and she had dinner at Kapnos, K-A-P-N-O-S restaurant in Arlington. Um, and uh, it was, it's a fantastic Greek restaurant that is known for uh, Fire roasted meats like uh, like goat and lamb and uh, nice. and uh, pig and all, all kinds of wonderful. Did she have things. any assertico? And they also have about ten different assertico's on their wine list. Oh, nice! Which is uh, what I just planted uh, three hundred and fifty vines of the five hundred that I will plant, and uh, I'm jealous that I wasn't there to uh, partake with her. And a couple weeks ago, she was in Washington, D.C., where she ate at the primary Kopnos restaurant and uh, had a different Assyrtico wine. <laughs> so I, I really am looking forward to what that grape is going to do out so here. I think it's going to yeah. be a good grape here. Yeah, I think uh, it'll be exciting to see when you're... Uh, and when that was one of the grapes that I mentioned. Years when you're so let me tell you what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to using my education at Yavapai College and the excellent training I've received from Michael Pierce to make a world-class assertico from the vines that I have just now planted so that I may take a bottle or two or a case with me when I go to the island of Santorini to visit so that I can share Arizona assertico with the winemakers 
who are making the fabulous wine on the island of Santa Rita. That would be fantastic. That would be a great trip. When are we going? Mind <laughs> 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 if Elizabeth uh, and I tack along for like a honeymoon or something? Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a few years. Obviously. So, so you got, so you got, you got to wait. You the know, earliest we could have a, probably have a, a, a good assertico is going to be five years from now. Yeah. But uh, I, that is on my bucket list. So that's so cool. Yeah, I, I yeah. Now it's on mine. Yeah. <laughs> it's on mine too. <laughs> hey, think we can have the college write it off as a research trip? Probably. I don't see why not. Because there is a red grape that's grown on Santorini too. I can't remember for life so, what it is. So, um, but but Emil, we yeah. got we got to make sure you got. You know that, that well, it's it's not going to be. I want to report because we are doing a Marcelon uh, podcast. Uh, I want to report that I think the oak version is getting better. The uh, the embryo. Yeah. Yeah. Where did that one go? Here it is. It's flattening out. Oh wow! There's only a little bit left here. But there's a whole bunch left in the bottle. Which one is that? Oh, oh! You've it's been drinking that one, so you must like it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoy it. It actually has. It's a, getting a more complex mid There's a little more volatility in the nose than there is in the neutral oak version. So you would expect that, I think. So since this is a Verde Valley Wine Consortium, and the pyrazine's gone in this one. Yeah. Oh, in the here. Let me try in that. The oak or, uh, in the oak version. Or, Okay. I mean, compared to the neutral one, I think the that element of the it actually kind of like sucked in or took yeah, that out somehow. It, it did, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I still think my favorite long term is going to be the neutral oak one, but I'm going to look forward to. Uh, is this still for sale from them? They still have this. Peach Springs. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. They sell out of their wines pretty well. I can ask Juliet. Well, I'm sure they still have some of each one. Yeah. It, it may not be available right this minute, but uh, it would be very interesting to see. I think I'd like to have six bottles of each one of these, yeah. and, and then uh, and then mm -hmm. have a bottle a year. You know, one of each of these. Yeah, I, year. I'm, I'm with you on that. I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna and just see how it uh, progresses over, over the coming years. Mm -hmm. So, so while this, since this is a Verde Valley Wine Consortium um, uh, podcast, you know, we want to welcome Cody as a, as a as a member of the Verde Valley Wine Consortium, and we're grateful for him uh, right. being able to put these on. And we're gonna we're gonna post them to our Facebook, and we'll we're gonna create a library that'll be on our website eventually um, of of this podcast, and we'll do an archive. Of Cody, so people can go uh, research, um, you know, look look at different podcasts that he wants to go see. So keep keep an eye out for that in the future. Don't say and, you know, in fifty years from now, those are going to be very valuable recordings. Yeah, either that or we'll all be dead. Yeah, or, <laughs> or it'll be. I, I, I think that or, we're, or, optimistically, we're we're not going to. Or it'll be a comedy skit. Yeah, or. How about this way? Why not both? Um, well, I, I do want to say for the record uh, that uh, this is a podcast of the 
Verde Valley Wine Consortium, of which I'm a board member also. Uh, but the opinions stated here are our own personal opinions. Yes, this is true. Thank you. These are, are the opinions expressed by us personally, not as members. Yeah, not not it's it's not whether the, board or of the consortium as a whole. Yeah. Uh, sure. Other yeah. the you know other than Arizona wine is great and all of these wines are great. Oh yeah, um, I'd like to see more Marcelon planted in Arizona. I think it has a lot of potential. Boy, that sky is even better now. Wow, wow. it's just like we live in heaven. We, we really do. It's it's like copper and turquoise right now in that sky, and it's just I, I, no camera could ever do it justice. And that's the problem. Like I could try getting a hundred different shots with a little, you know, with a SLR, you know let the, alone the, a. The problem is all the modern cameras all have light compensating. Uh, uh, software, so they're, they're always trying to lighten up everything, and, and so it, that you lose the richness of the colors. And I, I do have a wonderful uh, uh, SLR uh, camera that that actually has a sunset slash sunrise mode, so that it doesn't uh, amend the colors when you take a picture. Uh, and it's much more effective. Is it a is it a, um, a digital movie. SLR? Yeah, mm -hmm. it's digital. That's what I want. I think I have that. On, I may have that setting on my camera as well. Um, but I didn't bring that camera with me, unfortunately, today. <clears throat> but uh, I took a picture from uh, San Lucar de Berameda, where Manzanilla sherry is made. Mm -hmm. I took a picture of where the uh, river that goes by Sevilla, the beautiful uh, river. What's the name of that river? Anyway, uh, where it comes out into the Atlantic because when you're in San Lucar, uh, you're right at the mouth of the river where it goes out into the Atlantic. You took it with your SLR? And I took it with that camera and uh, it's fant. I mean, fantastic. It was the sun setting over the Atlantic uh, and the river there. Amazing photographs. I need to get that out. That'd be a that'd be a good one to post on Facebook. Since oh we've been, yeah! Since we've been talking about manzanilla sherries uh, lately, awesome. I almost bought a bottle of manzanilla sherry the other day, actually, just for Which research one? purposes. Oh, it's the one that they have at Plaza Liquor Deli. It's kind of an average brand. It's not Lagatana, is it? No, I don't think so. Lagatana is fantastic. And I, I've had that sherry before. It was okay, but yeah. I gotta try and get a picture of this again, even though it's not gonna work. But, uh. <laughs> but boy, the sky in this landscape is beautiful. iPhones cannot capture. <laughs> you, know, you know, the iPhone, no, the iPhone camera's not nearly as good as Samsung. Well, you get the iPhone 7 Plus. That's what I have, but it's still not nearly as good as still... Samsung. Just the sky is phenomenal. But yeah, you're you're absolutely right, Nicole. We we live in heaven. So Cody, I don't know if you've ever seen any of my Facebook posts when I've gotten up in the morning, and the entire everything we can see is clouds down on the ground. We are the only thing above the clouds, and 
until you're looking over at Mingus. No, I've not seen that. And it's, you know, islands in the sky. It's unbelievable. It's happened here since we've lived here maybe 10 times uh, in the year and a half we've lived here. And you know, really what he's doing, he's making fun of me that I'm in the clouds. <laughs> that he, he's down on Oak Creek, so he doesn't get to see that. Uh, again, I, I would, uh, going back to conversation with you, I really want to thank uh, the Fruity Valley One Consortium for, for their support in my endeavors, and I'm happy to be a member of you guys because I believe in what we're doing up here. Uh, I've been a firm believer in Arizona wine since uh, I was, since my 22nd birthday. Well, I'd like to thank you, Cody, for your never ending, uh, uh, for your being a never ending student. And uh, because uh, that's what I always feel like I am. And uh, it's nice that you want to share all the stuff that you're learning uh, with the rest of the world. I mean, uh, a lot of people don't think to do anything outside their usual activity. They too often drink the same, their same favorite wine all the time. And, the, and it's nice to have somebody like you that's, that's out there pushing the envelope all the time and then reporting on it. Um, it it's a very val valuable thing in the education of, uh, of the public. Yeah. So I, I want to thank you for, for the effort you put forth doing that. Well, thank you. <clears throat> yep, I'd like to finish off with a toast then. Your glass quick. We, we need to videotape. We need to video these one of these times. To the never-ending students. Yes, right. to the never-ending students. Right. <laughs> Salute. Salute. Salute, guys. This has been uh, the first uh, Verde Valley Wine Consortium podcast with the Arizona Wine Monk. Uh, we're going to finish our Mars along and uh, then uh, figure out what And then I'm going to make some coffee. Yes, coffee <laughs> sounds good. Yeah, yeah. And on that note, guys, have a good evening. Cheers. Salud. <laughs> <laughs>